Hello, and welcome back to the JJ Buzz podcast. I'm Cooper Carpenter, and I am here with Ben Bridges. Uh, today, we're here with uh, Mr. Savage. He is the head coach of our uh, boys' golf team here in Mount Vernon for how many years now? Uh, six. Six years. So we're going to be discussing golf-related topics, uh, some with PGA, some in, uh, involving us in our season. So uh, we'll uh, get into it. So one of the first things we wanted to discuss is uh, the PGA Tour versus the Live Tour. Uh, there's been a huge controversy around that. So um, first off, we want to know what your opinion on the Live Tour is and kind of um, how you feel about it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think it's okay that there's competition um, for the PGA Tour. As you can tell um, from Live being created, uh, it's made the PGA Tour already a lot stronger. Uh, the players are playing for millions and millions more. Um, they've improved the schedule for players. Uh, I think it's also provided a different outlet um, for players that are kind of on the back end of their career. Uh, the one thing that I don't really like, golf has always been known for, you have to earn your money based on how you play uh, and live with the Live Tour. Uh, these guys are getting guaranteed contracts, which are similar to other sports, um, but uh, it's not a matter of how you play. They're just getting guaranteed money up front, which is very different than the foundation of golf. So, yeah, that's kind of my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. It's just I feel like the live is more of like a entertainment purpose of golf. I mean, you look at the PGA Tour and it's like all about etiquette and all that. And then you go to the live and you'll see shots on each hole and it'll be people yelling and screaming, music playing. And it's just a different kind of golf. And the PGA Tour, they still do 72 holes, four days. And the lives changed it. They only do 54 holes in three days. So... I think it's just a whole different perspective of golf and how they both kind of are completely different. I think that's one way that it works a little bit too, is because it's very different. Like it's like Ben said, there's, there's music playing. Um, it's more of entertainment. Uh, it's a shotgun start versus having tea times. Um, so it's very different. And I think that that works and is intriguing to, uh, certain players. So one of the uh, things about um, so here's some of the big names that um, that have, were on the PGA Tour that have went to the Live Tour: um, Phil Mickelson, uh, Cameron Smith, Dustin Johnson, and uh, Bryson DeChambeau. So obviously those are pretty those are obviously pretty prominent names in the uh, PGA Tour. So how does how do you think it affects the PGA when big names like that leave the tour and go to Live? I think I think you can tell from the Masters that there are definitely really good players that left the PGA Tour and went to live just based on how they finished. I think they had three guys finish in the top five, maybe in the Masters. Um, so it's definitely good players that left the PGA Tour. Um, you can tell that the PGA Tour has kind of just changed their marketing and kind of uh, started to put their current big name guys they've just modified who their big name guys are and put them in commercials and put them on tv and and all over social media so 
Yeah. Yeah, I think the big names leaving isn't really a bad thing because, you know, now for the PGA Tour, you have to go through Corn Ferry Tour and Q School, and I think those big names leaving opens up opportunities for the guys that are, like he said, at the back end of their career or still trying to make it. So I think that just opens up more opportunities for people still trying to make it. And like how you talked about the quality of players, it's like the quality of players in Live isn't like significantly worse in the PGA Tour. Like you had Brooks Kepka who recently left PGA for Live and he was leading the Masters for basically the whole tournament, ended up kind of blowing up towards the end. But like it's not like these people on the Live Tour are bad players, but it's just a different kind of thing and they're going there because they're going to be make a lot more guaranteed money at least. So that's just... One of the things about one of the main disputes is the live tour isn't as competitive while there's actually still really good players on that tour, but um, they are obviously probably not playing as tough courses as the PGA tour as more prestigious courses, I would say, but still players are still pretty good on the uh, live and, tour. Uh, and Cameron Smith said this too at the masters. He said his games kind of just gone to crap. Mm-hmm. playing his 54 hole events not and he said he hasn't really been practicing because he already knows he's getting paid so i think him coming back to the masters in a 72 hole event made him kind of realize that he kind of has a little setback from what he were used to be mm-hmm. i definitely think longevity wise the live tour is going to hurt those players their their performances um just because the standard of play is, is going to be slightly lower over the course of time where you're not having to grind to make cuts. Um, so just naturally, you're, you're not competing against as many guys. Um, so your standard of play, your, your desire to practice and stuff like that may, may drop over time. And uh, one thing I kind of enjoyed from the Live Tour is seeing how they kind of have teams. Uh, each player that is on the Live Tour is assigned a team. And even if you're necessarily not going to win the tournament, you can still play well. And if your team ends up having, I don't know, I forget how they do the scoring. I don't know if it's just like total score or you get like points or something like that. But if your team wins, you can also win an extra bit of money there. So it kind of brings an incentive for players to keep trying to play well because they can help their team uh, win some extra money. So um, that'll probably be all the talk about PGA versus Live. So now we're going to go into another topic about the uh, regulation of the golf ball. So basically how the PGA works is what you can use whatever golf ball you want. There's a bunch of companies. Um, a lot of guys use the golf ball that they're obviously sponsored by, but um, you get fitted for a golf ball and you use it, whatever um, helps and like kind of is a custom for your game. So how do you feel about talks about um, talks about regulating the golf ball, having everyone use the same golf ball, like in every other sport where everyone uses the same ball, basically. I hate it. Um, I hate it. So in like everything, all entertainment, athletics, power is like the engaging, is a major engaging piece. Um, So just limiting how fast the ball is going to be, coming off the driver, uh, shortening how far it's going to go just limits. I think it limits viewers, um, excitement, the engagement. I think it limits, uh, growing the game. And I know there's talk about it just being at the professional level, 
Um, but when manufacturers are having to create now two different types of balls, uh, at one at some point they're going to go back to just manufacturing one ball again. Um, so I think it's just way too expensive for manufacturers, uh, and people like to see power and speed and strength. And if you limit limit that in golf, I think it's going to hurt hurt it. So I haven't been keeping up on this, but can someone explain to me, is it everyone has to go to Titleist or is it Titleist has to make a golf ball regulated the same well, as Callaway has to make it? I'm not sure if PGA would have like one manufacturer make a ball and they'd everyone use that or each, I think that was honestly make the same ball. one of the decisions they were talking about is they each manufacturer will make their own like tour ball. So it's like the, their regulation ball for tour events like that. So it's kind of, I don't know which one it would be. Actually. Yeah, I, I'm not positive either, but it's like, it's like them rolling back. They rolled back the baseball, I think, in major leagues um, a while ago to kind of deaden the ball um, so that there are less home runs. Uh, I think high school baseball or high school maybe high school sports have done it. High school baseball has done it with the bats where they deaden the bats. So they're not as powerful and as much speed. Um, so that's what they're looking at yeah. for the golf ball. And I think, I think a golf ball is all preference. I think if you told me that I had to go out in a tournament and play a different ball that I'm not used to, I would not know how the ball is going to spin the trajectory and the spin of the ball, like in a tournament, I play the Pro V1 from Titleist, and if you told me I had to go out and play a Callaway Chrome Soft, I wouldn't. I wouldn't feel confident on mm -hmm. knowing what it's going to do, how it's going to land on the green, all that stuff. So I think, and I don't think anyone's really getting that competitive advantage over each ball because everyone can choose what ball they want to play. Mm -hmm. So if they think the Titleist is better, then they would change the Titleist and get a different ball sponsor if that's the case. If it, so if it really does have a big impact on the game like that and one of the cool things i've always thought about golf is like you cool you can use the same stuff that all the tour guys are using you can use the same clubs and everything obviously they have all their stuff tailored and custom fitted to themselves but you can still get all the gear yourself that you want i feel like that's been one of the cool things about golf is whatever those tour guys use, you can say hey i can use that too which is one of the differences in um all yeah and like you know Golf's a different sport than a bunch of uh, golf's obviously a really expensive sport, but that's one of the things that makes you feel good on the golf course. You get a brand new set of clubs, stuff like that. It makes you feel good knowing that you have the same stuff as uh, the store players. It's definitely, it's definitely a, a good thing that you can compare. Like you said, you can compare yourself to a PGA tour player uh, in a certain way based on equipment you're using the same golf ball uh, you might be using the same driver and on tv you're seeing that this guy hits it 330 or 340 and i'm using the same driver and the same ball and i'm only hitting it 290 or whatever it's just a it's a good way to compare it if you have two two different types of golf balls one for an amateur and one for a touring pro you'd lose that ability to compare that so yeah that's another thing but Golf's already expensive enough. Uh, if manufacturers are having to, to uh, manufacture two different types of golf balls, it's going to just drive the prices up even more. And 
that's going to eliminate people from the game or restrict people from getting into the game. So I think it's a terrible move. All right. And our next topic we're going to go into is more about uh, high school golf and just kind of talking about high school golf in, uh, in general. So um, Coach Savage has been the coach for six years. And uh, you mentioned in one of the articles you put on the uh, Jackets Golf website is the favorite thing you love about coaching specific, specifically golf is you love watching kids struggle. So that's one of the things about golf is there's a lot of struggle in it. So how does that, um, why is that your favorite part about coaching and how does it show how kids learn from struggle and stuff like that? I, th I think it's, uh, and it's, a, it's an extremely important skill to learn. Um, we like to sugarcoat things uh, for kids kind of growing up, I think, where we eliminate them from trouble or we try to take any trouble or struggle or difficulties away from them. Uh, that's just human nature to try to protect them. Um, but you learn or people learn their, their uh, some extremely valuable lessons during times of, of struggle. And when you're on the golf course, you're kind of out there on an island by yourself. And you've got basically nobody that you can count on other than yourself. And that's not just physically i mean that's not some days you just don't have it physically uh but it's a matter of of battling through it mentally how are you handling it when things aren't going well um like are you a, a blamer are you complaining are you just negative or are you just kind of handling things maturely and uh showing growth through the struggle um so you guys know, I mean, golf is definitely difficult. There's a million different things that can go on on a golf course. Uh, most of them good uh, or sorry, most of them bad, some of them good. Um, but it's just a matter of how you're handling that and how you're reacting to um, those failures and those setbacks. And that's just a life lesson that you can only learn through struggling. Yeah, and then I kind of agree with you with like, learning how to handle those struggles i think nowadays kids are learning that earlier i mean i think there are younger kids like in sixth grade that are playing golf and now they are playing in tournaments they are starting that the phase a little earlier than what like i did or any of us did probably because I, I i never played golf when i was in sixth grade and fifth grade but I mean, now these kids are playing in these young tournaments where it's like 10 and under and they can start learning how to handle those struggles earlier in their life. And I think that's only gonna make them better. So um, one of my favorite parts about golf and what I've learned throughout playing golf through these uh, last uh, six years of my life is that um, it's been, um, it's one of those sports where you, there's com two completely different modes. You know, if you're just going out with your friends on like a, go out on a Saturday morning with your friends, just playing. It's, it's one of the most social sports you can have. I mean, you're just talking, listen, sometimes you listen to music, you're just having a good time. Um, it's uh, unlike any other sport where it's not always, it doesn't always have to be super intense and competitive. Sometimes it's just going out with your friends, but also you can make it super competitive, super fast. Um, whether if you're just playing with your friends, betting on stuff or, 
having just betting on stuff or just playing for stuff like bragging rights. Golf can be one of the more intense um, sports, and especially when you get into competitive and tournament play. Tournament tournament and competitive golf is unlike anything I've ever played. It's a different mode where you're ultra focused all the time, and it's really high stress and I don't think I've ever played a sport where I've been so hard on myself before when I make mistakes like that. So how does, how does like golf where it can be two completely different modes, one of the most social sports and it's really relaxed and it can also shift really quickly into one of competitive and really high intensity. That's one of the greatest, greatest things about it is I think top golf has helped, helped people with that too. Just getting exposed to golf and hitting shots and laughing and having fun and, hitting terrible shots and laughing about them and stuff like that. Um, people listen to music, joke around, um, play scrambles, play for fun. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's two different ends of the spectrum. There's, there's nothing more nerve wracking than standing like on the first tee of a, of a competitive tournament when there's 30 or 40 people around, or if you're trying to make like a five or six footer on the last hole to shoot your lowest score, there's just, like a sickening feeling um, that competitors get addicted to uh, that's just so different than listening to music, laughing, having fun. Okay. Let's go with a couple, let's go with a couple uh, quick questions for you guys. Number one, you remember where, where was your first time ever breaking 80 and do you remember it? Uh, I'll start. Um, It was in the uh, summer. I played with uh, Carter and Ben actually. Uh, that's one of, that was one of my main goals over the summer was to break 80. And I remember, um, at chapel, uh, the course that I live on chapel Hill golf course, um, shot 75. Um, and I kind of knew that if I, when I was going to break 80, I wasn't going to barely get it. I was going to just play stupid. Well, and I did, and I shot 75. Uh, I think all of us broke 80 that day actually. So that was a really fun day. Just seeing everyone in our group play really well even though i shot 75 and it was the worst at everyone somehow but uh, it was really cool um probably something that i'll always remember is where and how i broke 80 so yeah my first time breaking 80 was in an eighth grade tournament at chapel hill i shot 79 in eighth grade and it was the the battle of chapel hill or whatever was that what it was called and lost to me in range in the playoffs. Yeah. And then I was tied with a person in the playoffs, the playoff hole, and I, uh, I lost. So I do remember that. Yeah. I think something like less than 1% of people that ever play golf break 80. So that's a, that's a big feat. I don't remember mine. Mine was, I'm old, so I <laughs> do not remember. Um, okay. Question two. How do you mark your golf ball? So it's important to mark your golf ball before you tee off so you can identify whose ball is what. How do you mark your golf ball? Well, as of uh, this last season, um, as golf season is in fantasy football season, and Maddox started doing this where he would mark his golf ball with a 32, um, like right above the Titleist, because his favorite fantasy player at the time was DeAndre Swift. So that's what he would do. And I said, oh, might as well start doing that. So I would do a uh, 17 for Devontae Adams in uh, my golf ball towards the end of the season. But actually at the start of the season, um, I did uh, different colors. I would draw like a black circle around the Titleist and then I'd fill it in with a different color. So, Yeah, I, I play a Titleist ball. So I just do a black line 
right across the title list. And then I'll either do, I usually do however many dots is the number of the golf ball. So if I have a title list two, I'll do two dots. If I have a title list three, I'll do three dots around the number. So I normally do, I take the number and then I do a dot just north of the number, south of the number, uh, west of the number, and east of the number. So like four dots surrounding the number. Okay, how about, uh, so golf gear is a huge business right now and always. When do you feel your freshest on the golf course? Like new glove, uh, new shoes, new shorts, new shirt, what is it? Uh, for me, honestly, uh, one thing I did want to mention is uh, our boys' golf team. Uh, it's kind of ruined getting new shirts for me because for us, we get a million new sets of gear, new shirts, pullover, whatever. So kind of having a new shirt really hasn't been a big thing for me. But always for me, I would always get uh, white shoes. So whenever I'd have a brand new pair of white shoes, I always felt like I was going to shoot 60 that day. So uh, new shoes is definitely the biggest thing for me. I agree with that, too. I, I can't pick one. I would say mainly for me it would probably be a new golf shirt. I always like kind of finding like a fluorescent golf shirt. And when it's clean and it's new, I do feel my best. And then also a new golf glove. I think I think when you get a new golf glove and you're holding the club in your hand, it the, the club never feels better. So. I, I, I'm with both you guys. I actually sometimes feel like I have to be too perfect when I'm wearing brand new shoes and a brand new shirt. So I like feel like I'm on edge and I don't want to get it dirty. I don't want to scuff it. 